like it, eh? May 40 here. So, does, does Glenn, Glenn Lowry host uh, YouTube's edgiest show? I mean, I just watched a show with the Amy Wax. And uh, Amy Wax said positive things about Jared Taylor. Talks about how she reads American Renaissance. How she disagrees with Charles Murray. That uh, white identity politics uh, may not be such a big disaster. She makes the commonsensical point that... Uh, that if identity politics is good for some groups, then it's got to be good for all groups. So how can black identity politics and Jewish identity politics and Latino identity politics be kosher, but white identity politics is not kosher? So Glenn Lowry consistently hosts YouTube's edgiest show. I mean, he had Charles Murray on talking about his new book, Facing Reality, about disproportionate rates of crime committed by various racial groups and uh, talked about uh, cognitive differences between various racial groups, all right? This was all on uh, the Glenn Lowry show. So if you don't know Glenn Lowry, he's a centrist uh, black intellectual who shows you know, some sympathy for right-wing perspectives. And he throws his show open to, to a lot of uh, right-wing thinkers who've been exiled from polite conservatism such as Amy Wax and Glenn La uh, Amy Wax and uh, Charles Murray so Amy Wax said she you know, strongly d disagreed with Charles Murray that uh, the white identity politics you know is just you know the worst thing ever and uh, it's interesting that uh, Glenn Lowry said that you know, white identity politics would you know be absolutely awful but uh, didn't make a particularly strong case for why so Glenn Lowry says we should, we should try to do away with all identity politics, but I think the way we're just wired is that we we you know we're wired to identify with our group. Like we're we're most interested in people who are similar to ourselves. So good on Glenn Lowry though for hosting you know, Charles Krauthammer for I mean Charles Murray and uh, and Amy Wax. So. Amy Wax got into trouble for this latest interview because she talked about restricting Asian immigration because she was skeptical that the spirit of liberty you know, beat in their breasts. And, uh, and I think that was a particularly strong argument. So Amy Wax does not make the case for significant biological differences between the races, but what she sees as self-evident is that there are big uh, you know, cultural differences. So she tried to make a case against essentially non-white immigration. So she argued that you know, the United States is a civilization from the West and that uh, when it comes to immigration, we should choose people who are most compatible with our majority population, which in practice would mean you know, more, more white immigrants, fewer Asian and African and Latino immigrants. So she, she notices that uh, conservatives are very scared of talking about race right? they, they, they don't want to be called racist but uh, Amy Wax goes about as far as you can go and still be in the national conservatism Yoram Hazoni conference spectrum but uh, quite the interesting discussion between Glenn Lowry and Amy Wax I think it came out December 20th and you're looking out uh, Bondi Beach there directly straight ahead uh, it's about uh, five kilometers probably from here. So one uh, downside with the Amy Wax Glen Lowry 
discussion is that they would keep interrupting each other. So they should be very wasp about it, just allow one person to speak at a time, allow that one person to make their point, and then allow the next person to take up. G'day Robert, how are you mate? So you're looking at the eastern suburbs of Sydney, you're looking at Bondi, and out beyond Bondi is Watson's Bay, where I was yesterday, and out beyond that is Manly. So guess what? I walked past Adam Gilchrist, like on this trail, all right? About half an hour ago, I walked past Adam Gilchrist, the former Australian wicketkeeper and just terrific batsman. When he would, when he would score runs, it'd be at a very high rate of knots. He was like very exciting to watch. Adam Gilchrist, man, he could belt out the runs. I just, I just watched him on. KO Sports, that's the sports live sports streaming app here in Australia, about a million subscribers. And uh, they did a documentary on Monkey Gate. So Andrew Simons was a part black, part black uh, player on the Australian national cricket team. So Andrew Simons, I think, had a father who was Caribbean and a mother who was Scandinavian. So Andrew Simons could, you know, pass for Southern European. He could almost pass for Italian. So he played for the Australian national cricket team for about 20 or 30 tests. Then in a test against India about uh, 15 years ago, uh, there was this Indian batsman who would call him a monkey. And Andrew Simons took really strong, yeah, Andrew Simons took really strong exception to that and, uh, and then made an official complaint, right? made an official complaint about monkey gate and then uh, went through the appeals process and uh, anyway, things didn't go Andrew Simon's way. What does being black have to do with it? Well, it's because he was being called a monkey, so he was arguing that he was the object of racial vilification. And so initially the Indian batsman uh, got a three-match suspension, but then it got, got overturned and like Andrew Simon's already American Lucas fading away. So Andrew Simons was like very quick to take offense. So when an Indian player simply like patted Brett Lee, the fast bowler, like uh, Andrew Simons like went and took, you know, took offense and like got in the guy's face. And uh, it was a very tense match. Like uh, the, the umpires had uh, made some dubious decisions that went against India. And anyway, the, the point of Monkey Gate is that after bringing this allegation, Andrew Simon's life, you know, kind of collapsed into alcoholism. Your face looks thinner and more weathered like that crocodile Dundee guy. Yeah, so his life collapsed. And yeah, a lot of sun exposure. So I got a medical checkup while I was here. I got my Australian Medicare card and I got a couple of spots to watch for potential skin cancer. So I've been getting a ton of uh, sun, like a ton of, of exercise. So I walked about 12k yesterday out to Watson's Bay. So anyway, I think this is like fairly common. Andrew Simons brings this racial vilification complaint and then because the complaint doesn't go his way, he uh, collapses into alcoholism. He was already a heavy drinker, but uh, he then collapses into you know alcoholism. It ends his, his professional cricket career. You know, his life just falls apart. And I've seen this again and again. Better watch On the Beach to see what's coming. Yeah, I saw On the Beach. I saw both versions, the 1950s version and the, the 
Australian remake. So I, I see that. I'm not sure I've seen The Quiet Earth. So I remember this woman, this friend of mine, she was you know, quite attractive, and uh, she was an attorney, and she brought a complaint for sexual harassment, and it didn't go her way, and it just destroyed her life. She went from being you know, hot and charming and outgoing and just you know, a ton of fun, but when her sexual harassment complaint didn't go her way, her life absolutely collapsed. Sing the Waltzing Matilda. Waltzing Matilda, Waltzing Matilda, you'll come a Waltzing Matilda with you. Aussie cellular sucks. Anyone else have, uh, have complaints about Australian cellular production? But yeah, a lot of people bring, you know, a hot button controversial complaint like Andrew Simons did or my female attorney friend, right? When you bring that kind of hot button racial vilification sexual harassment complaint and it doesn't go your way, people are going to fight back, right? Because nobody wants to, to be on the losing end of such a hot button discussion button controversy and then people just fall apart so so it's all tempting to breathe to uh oh who did georgie girl yeah georgie girl she's like 80 years old mate i'm not even sure she's still alive so no i'm not gonna not gonna be dating the, the singer of georgie girl you'd be a fool to turn your back on those roots walking is my mental health practice in the winter i walk less i notice i'm more depressed and anxious well you can walk year round here but i tell you one thing in, uh, in Sydney, the weather forecast, the worst I've ever seen. So today was supposed to be mostly sunny, but it was like raining for much of the last hour. So, the Seekers, yeah, the Seekers folk group. Mate, I, I don't date women over 40. So, when they say it's raining, often it'll be sunny all day. Pretend she's still 20. And when they say it'll be sunny, you know, often it turns out rainy. The most unpredictable weather here that, that I've ever seen. So Amy Wax. Oh yeah, so I, I saw an interesting article by Ezra Klein. You don't date women over 30. I actually saw an interesting article by Ezra Klein. I'm not going to deny it. And uh, it was in the New York Times. And he talked about the difference between politics for power and politics for emotional catharsis. So I don't normally get much benefit from Ezra Klein, but uh, here you go in the, in the New York Times today. So this is how, this is how he starts out. Talks about a new book, which I just downloaded. So in his 2020 book, Politics is for Power, Eitan Hirsch, a political scientist at Tufts, sketched a day in the life of many political observers in sharp, if cruel, terms. Yeah, light rain is called. So I don't mind the rain. It's just I can't believe the weather forecast is so inaccurate here. So I re this political scientist says, I refreshed my Twitter feed to uh, keep up on the latest political crisis and toggle over to Facebook to read clickbait news stories. Yeah, everyone's... Not everyone, but a lot of people are fit here. And... Uh, Almost no fatties. So this is political scientist Eitan Hirsch. Says uh, this is his daily routine. I refresh my Twitter feed to keep up on the latest political crisis, and toggle over to Facebook to read clickbait news stories. Then over to YouTube to see a montage of juicy clips from the latest congressional hearing. 
I then complain to my family about all the things that I don't like that I've seen. So to Eitan Hirsch, that's not politics. It's what he calls political hobbyism. So is that what we're engaged in, guys? We engaged in political hobbyism rather than the pursuit, the bloodthirsty pursuit of uh, power. Yes, my family would object if I married a kangaroo. So would my rabbi. So political hobbyism, right? Is that what we're doing here? It's, it's, it's a national pastime. So a third of Americans say they spend two hours or more each day on politics. So how much time do you spend each day on politics? Of these people, four out of five say that not one minute of that time is spent on any kind of real political work. It's all TV news and podcasts and radio shows and social media and cheering and booing and complaining to friends and family. What if the kangaroo were of the Hebraic faith? So real political work is the intentional strategic accumulation of power in service of a defined end. It is action in service of change, not information in search of outrage. All right. So when you come here to this show, all right, this show is about service of change, action in service of change. Not so many snakes in Sydney, but uh, more outside of Sydney in regional Australia. Right? Are you about action in service of change or are you seeking information in service of outrage? So outrage and, fuel and fury, they're only useful as a fuel for getting something done. And outrage and uh, fury you know, should not be the ends. So Ezra Klein says, yeah, very few street, no street gangs in eastern suburbs, Sydney, maybe western Sydney. But overall, Sydney is like the fourth safest city in the world. So Steve Bannon has made it his mission to recruit people who don't believe in democracy to serve as municipal poll workers. So this is interesting, right? On the right, we always think the people on the right are, you know, not paying attention to where the power lies and that they're getting, you know, out-competed by the left. And uh, Ezra Klein says, I'll say this for the right, they pay attention to where the power lies in the American system. Is that true? Does the right pay attention to where the power lies in the American system? In ways the left sometimes doesn't. Steve Bannon calls this the precinct strategy, and it's working. Suddenly, people who have never before showed interest in party politics started calling the local GOP. I never get outraged. I convince myself my political interests are purely ethnographic. Disavow. I say people who have never before showed any interest in party politics started calling the local GOP headquarters, crowding into county conventions, eager to enlist as precinct officers, ProPublica reports. They show up in states Trump won and in states Trump lost in deep red rural areas, in swing voting suburbs, and in popular cities. So I didn't realize this. So is this energy transferring from Trump? Or is this independent of Trump? The difference between those organizing at the local level to shape democracy and those raging ineffectually about democratic backsliding, myself included, remind me of the old line about war. Yes, I am able to vote in Australia. Amateurs talk strategy, professionals talk logistics. So right now, Trumpists are talking logistics. Yeah, Ezra Klein is calling out the right for catching on to what the left has been doing for years. So we do not have one federal election. We have 50 state elections and then thousands of county elections, and each of those ladder up to give us results. So a Congress can write some rules and boundaries for how elections are administered. State legislatures can make decisions on who can vote and not vote. But counties and towns are making decisions about how much money they're spending, what technology they're using, and the rules around which 
candidates can participate. Yes, it's uh, 1.04 Monday afternoon here. And it looks like the Dallas Cowboys are going to be matching up against the San Francisco 49ers. It's a very overcast day. Like, it's hard to think that there'd be that much, you know, uh, radiation. Like, look, look at that. Very, very overcast. I am wearing sunscreen. And I'm, I'm wearing my, my Aussie hat. Right. So... Yeah, Glenn Lowry, he's, he's, I think he's got like the edgiest show on, uh... right, he's got the edgiest show on YouTube, right, okay, look at that beautiful sky, yeah, it's like an Aussie keeper. fair dinkum shoes mate here we go they're, uh, they're a bit worn but uh, skeechers very comfortable very fair dinkum how much weight have you lost since arriving in Australia um, at one point I was down like seven pounds but uh, I, I think I'm uh, I think I'm pretty much pretty much back to to where I was, so I'm about uh, 165 to 168 pounds. Okay, very disturbing story here from the New York Review of Books. I hope this does not get out. So, an expert on uh, Franz Fanon, who was a you know, bl black uh, political activist. Adam Schatz is a white guy writing about him and uh, writes in the New York Review of Books that he was essentially the victim of uh, masked polar bear hunters. He says, my attackers came out of nowhere on a familiar street and didn't even take my wallet, but they robbed me of something, a New Yorker's self-assurance. Whoa! Whoa! Thank you so much for the super chat. Very exciting. And uh, he says there's something morbidly instructive about being beaten up by people who are obviously ref relishing your humiliation this is in the New York Review of Books it's on top of Steve Saylor's blog to read about the pleasure people have taken in cruelty is not the same as experiencing it firsthand. so it just uh, was published January 7th before I set upon assaulted and robbed at roughly 9.15pm half block from my girlfriend's building in Chelsea I had been having a rather good day I just outlined the last chapters of my book on Franz Fanon, radical West Indian author of the wretched of the earth and black skin, white masks. So let's have a look at, uh, oh, the mighty park. There are tons of lefty prosecutors in moderate towns because the left realized turnout is crazy low and some funding and turnout effort is effective. Exactly. So maybe the right is learning from the left on how to do politics. So this white guy wrote a couple of books on this radical West, Indi West Indian activist. And he was feeling a surge of adrenaline after writing his book so he was he put on his headphones to listen to a podcast conversation 
with his friend Randall Kennedy about his new book on race and civil rights, say it loud. Randy's voice was the last thing I heard as I turned right on West 17th Street and 9th Avenue, where my attackers were lying in wait. There were three young men, barely old enough to be caught that, 16 or 17, and almost immediately I was on the pavement. I don't know if I was jumped or if I was thrown to the ground. What I remember is a thud, the sound of my body meeting the concrete. Well, not a lot of this in uh, Sydney. As soon as I fell, they began taking turns, kicking and punching me in my stomach, my upper thigh, the right side of my waist. They didn't say anything. What I do remember is their laughter. They were chuckling amongst themselves as I absorbed the blows. Their voices sounded youthful and immature, and they moved like gangling teenagers. But they knew something that had never occurred to me, that my prone, defenseless body could be the source of considerable entertainment. Then I got to disavow, he names the race of his assailants. And, uh, and then uh, the article cuts off because of the New York Review of Books. Yeah, Tinsborg on Twitter talks humiliation robberies in Sweden. They have a word for it. And then... Yeah, a lot of uh, humiliation crime going on in Sweden as well as New York City and other places. So society encouraging masked men to roam the streets at the same time society is encouraging certain groups to feel extremely aggrieved towards white people is a recipe for polar bear hunting. Sounds like a scene from A Clockwork Orange, yeah. Like, it would never occur to me that beating someone up could just be, you know, great entertainment. But, uh, apparently it is. And these people vote for Alvin Bragg, right? I think, you say they never learn, I think they will. Right, I think they will. Uh, even, even people on the left get get tired of uh, you know, get tired of massive amounts of crime. Science museum boards up display on early human migration because it is non-inclusive. Man, how did uh, the woke take over all the museums? Oh, did you guys know that NPR is having a white supremacy crisis? So all these uh, black players at NPR have quit. So Crystal Marie Fleming says the problem at NPR is white supremacy. That so few are saying this explicitly is telling indeed. But yes, very telling indeed. So Audie Cornish, host of All Things Considered, is leaving NPR. She wrote on Twitter, she's joining many of you in the great resignation. So did you guys realize that uh, NPR was all about white supremacy? Then uh, interesting academic study here. Uh, half of blacks say they prefer to be robbed or burglarized than to have unprovoked contact with cops. So they'd rather be robbed by their own kind than have to deal with the police. So Steve Saylor writes about the lost age of uh, Los Angeles triumphalism. Yeah, we kind of evolved that much since the 16th century. People back then loved public executions and humiliations as well as animal torture and bear baiting. So do you remember the 1985 TV series Half Nelson? 
star Joe Pesky, plus uh, three NFL football players, Dick Buckus, Bubba Smith. So Los Angeles was uh, was really fashionable for from about 1984 to 1990. And uh, the 1984 Olympics turned out to be great, embodiment of morning in America. And uh, Los Angeles triumphalism basically reigned until Dick Cheney turned off the aerospace budget spigot, right, Steve Saylor, after the fall of the Soviet Union, which ushered in Los Angeles' 1990s time of troubles of riot, earthquake, and O.J. Simpson. And uh, do big football players still get cast in TV shows, right? That was a big thing in the 1970s and 1980s. Oh, so there's a new documentary... Uh, expedition content and uh, it's about the making of a famous old 1963 anthropology documentary Dead Birds about tribal warfare in New Guinea and uh, this new documentary has almost no images because you wouldn't want to stereotype the headhunters looking like headhunters so expedition content virtually no images about tribal warfare I mean, who cares about New Guinea headhunters, right? Really boring. So Michael Rockefeller, the son of the sitting New York governor, almost certainly got eaten by these headhunters in New Guinea. And uh, New York Times does not mention this in their review. Because why would anyone be interested in learning that young Mr. Rockefeller was uh, devoured by cannibals? Oh, so ex-man swimmer Leah Thomas finally loses a woman's swimming race to a streamlined ex-woman. Regular woman's swimmers left in the dust. So now in women's sports, various ex-men are now winning. Is Adam Schatz of the Hebraic Persuasion? I'm not sure. Sure sounds like it. Wow. Shootings in Sweden are up 1,268% since Angela Merkel's mistake back in 2015. Who would have thought that shootings in Sweden would uh, would go up 1,268 points? Elliot Blight, you don't care about our groups? Bro. I'm not sure you're allowed to say that. Base cannibals. I remember LA in the 2000s. Skid Row was terrifying, but Venice Beach was pacified. Semi-pacified. There are lots of people in New York who won't put up with polar bear hunting. Russians, Hispanics, Dominicans, Muslims. And then they're going to keep putting up with Alvin Bragg, the left-wing DA, right? Scrolling through the chat. I never get outraged. I convince myself my political interests are purely ethnographic, says the mighty buck. Yeah, not many street gangs here. One of the safest cities in the world. Twitter is pure entertainment for 99.9% of users.
Joe Klein is smart, but a hack. He's a good bellwether of the one left. Yeah, he's occasionally interesting. Defend the Constitution, it defends you. Walking is my mental health practice. You'd be fooled to turn your back on your roots, mate. I want to see you with a chum bucket. Ford ain't coming back to LA. I need to watch The Quiet Earth. Don't remember seeing that. Okay, I must walk on.